March 2, 2023. It's a from Pedro Show. I don't know. Uh, I think by the time I, <laughs> I learned to write, there won't be any problem. There'll probably be too many of them around like that. It's going to take me a year. Uh, I think, you know, I'm not sure, but I, I think it's going to take me six months to a year to get a to get something good out of this. To, uh, because I'm at the first step now, you know, and uh, unless it snowballs real fast, it's gonna take, take me a little while to get it really strong, but there, it will be a beginning soon. I'm gonna make a beginning soon. And uh, I don't know what I'll add that trumpet until uh, six months or maybe eight months a year, something like that. By that time, my ideas might be uh, strong enough to uh, be able to write arrangements, you know, and, uh, not if not write them, to uh, set them, to construct them. Or uh, anyway, I like to develop these things with the quartet, and then when the horn man comes in, uh, we'll be so well set with him until all he will have to do is just play what he hears, see, mm-hmm. which will be. So get ready. You are about to witness the greatest sports extravaganza of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Four Objects! For Pedro Show, happy Thursday. Start off with John Coltrane talking to Michael D. Reuter about writing for a group with a trumpet. He said he wanted somebody like Eric Dolphy, but Eric Dolphy played flute, bass clarinet, alto sax. He did get Freddie Hubbard for uh, Ascension, though. Anyway, December 1st, 1962. And then we had Foreign Object with the eponymous tune, Foreign Object. And because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype, Invention, I got aboard here, Brother Bill Woodcock. Welcome aboard, Brother Bill. Wow. Thank you, Brother Watt. What a, what an honor it is to be here with you. Absolute. Absolute. Right back. And I want to fucking learn the listeners, and myself included, about your journey through music. So please, let's start with you bringing your earliest musical recollection. Okay, well, uh, I was born up in Eureka, California, up in Humboldt County. Um, no, no, there's two, right? Like, there's, there's two. There's Eureka and there's Yreka. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the, I was on the coast. That's the Eureka, right, because when you're on five, I-5, right, there's that gas station. I think the town's actually Hilt, but then the next, you know, kind of sizable. So, uh 
Uh, yeah, we didn't stay in Eureka very long. My dad was a postal carrier when, when I was born, and he got a job as a civilian working for the Army, and we moved down to uh, San Francisco in Presidio. Uh, he worked at Presidio, and we lived in Marin County, and that's where my first musical memory is. Because I know my dad was playing Beatles and 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 Bob Dylan records since day one, but I don't remember any of that. What I remember specifically is hearing "Puff the Magic Dragon" by Peter Paul and Mary on on the coming off the radio. Yeah, Presidio. It's a lot like uh, where I practiced the old Fort MacArthur here in Pedro, probably around the same time built. Because one time I got to wander around there. Uh, now the pat. Did your pop play? He didn't. No, he had a guitar in the house. That's why I was going to I ask never saw you. Him play it. That's why I was going to ask you. In the pad you grew up, was there musical instruments? And there, what was it? Acoustic guitar? It was an acoustic uh, a nylon string guitar. And we we moved to Germany uh, when I was really young, and he left it in storage. So when we moved over there, we didn't have a, a an instrument in the house. And then I started getting into uh, into Kiss, and I wanted to play bass. So I asked my parents, like, will you get an instrument for me? And they wouldn't give me a bass. They got me a a really small little uh, steel string acoustic guitar to learn on. And it was just wrong. It was horrible. I hated it. Well, let's dial the wheel back a little. What about in school? Were you in the marching band or the choir, shit like that? Not early in school. Like, um, the... uh, I went to Department of Defense Elementary Schools, and they had real, like, generic music classes where we sang, like, the cat came back, and this land is your land, and if I had a hammer and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, playing ah, but there's a connection in, like, there. There's a connection there because I think the first version of Puff the Magic Dragon was from Pete Seeger, and Pete Singer used to do uh, what he got three songs, like I had a hammer. Lots of, everything's connected. Well, what about... Uh, but in high school... No, that's let, I want to stay in the older days still. I want to stay in the older days. What was okay. the first record you bought with your own money? That was the King Kong soundtrack by John Barry. Okay. And what yeah. was the first gig you saw? Uh, the first gig I saw was... Um, it was Devo. Uh, at the Fox Theater in Atlanta in 1981 on the New Traditionalist Tour. Now, Fox Theater, I got to play two gigs there with Minutemen opening for R.E.M. in 85. And I remember there's lights in the overhead that look like stars. I don't remember that. They're, they're, <laughs> you mean the, the whole theater has stars in the overhead? Yeah, you know, like it was a sky. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I remember. I also remember... One of the, I don't know, was the production manager, the road manager, the, you know, whatever, assistant hair tech. But they yelled at us for doing four or five Creedence songs, one of those gigs. Because I guess, well, we heard the REM guys doing one. So, hey, we know some Creedence. <laughs> and the guy was like, you never play one of those songs without my permission again. Ooh. And we were like, well, <laughs> is this worth, you know. Anyway, anyway, we love the band. The four guys in the band were very cool people. But some of that other... Hey, they ended up firing everybody except one of the helper men, Microwave. 
Anyway, let's stay focused on you here. So um, they get you this little guitar. They get you this little guitar that you thought was wrong. But what about how did you learn on it? Did you have a teacher? No, I didn't learn on it. I just let it collect dust. You know, my I remember my mom plunking out the melody to Born Free on it. And, and I was like, this is just I want to rock. <laughs> this is not the what I want to be doing. And I, I didn't see the, the the straight line from that guitar that they gave me to where I wanted to be. So uh, I, you know, that, that, I think I was maybe eight years old and really into Gene Simmons, which is, I think, why I wanted to play bass. And even by, by, like, by the time I went to my first concert at Devo, uh, you know, Jerry was my favorite guy in the band. I was you know, really you know, players. Brother Bill, Jerry, yeah. Jerry Casala was on the fucking show a couple weeks ago. No, I saw last that. week. I saw that. I want to listen to it. I haven't he's he's to great. He just had, you know, he's 10 years older than me, 75, and he's just had a newborn, new shift member. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Good for him. Well, yes. the wife's younger, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, so that's bitching, though, to hear you wanted to play bass first, because in the old days, that's where you put your retarded friend. It's like <laughs> right field and lowly. Yeah, arena rock days. You know, in right. club music, with, uh, actually with the movement, uh, us and drummers, too, they, 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 the status came up because everybody was, you know, learning and stuff. So you do end up on the guitar and in fact, incredible on guitar. So you put that guitar away. How do you fucking get to be the fucking Bill Woodcock? I know on guitar. Well, two months later, I went to my first arena rock show, which was ACDC at the Omni in Atlanta. And I went with some friends and that was a really important turning point for me, for me because I was inspired by Angus Young to become a guitar player. And I became a complete metalhead for like two or three years after that. And before that, I was listening to Devo, Plasmatics, Gary Newman, B-52s, that sort of stuff, Talking Heads, you know. Well, Kiss That's is kind of Kiss is, is ACDC a little bit. Yeah, but that, that, I mean, these were like completely different times in my life. Oh, like, different I was eras. Buying, okay. buying Kiss records when I was eight, nine years old. But you know, I, I didn't Kiss. see my first gig until, you know, I was like... 13. I saw Kiss maybe either three or four times before they even had that first album. And I remember when that album came out, it was so slow because they would open for anybody. Fucking, uh, you know, Savoy Brown or Wishbone Ash. The, I saw the five man uh, version of the James game with Tommy Bolin. And yeah, so I, you know, Long Beach Arena here, we saw them a bunch. So, uh, okay. Let me Kiss ask you this. So you see ACDC, and you keep mentioning Atlanta, so you probably moved from the city right over to Atlanta, Georgia. So uh, you see this gig. Do you go out and buy a guitar, your own guitar? You don't wait for a gift? No, I don't. I, absolutely not. No. As a matter of fact, I didn't even start playing guitar for another like six months or something like that. And it was just following, uh, you know, some 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 personal personal crisis where uh, it, it was pretty much like, I got to figure something out. Otherwise I could be one of those teens that commit suicide, you know? And, oh, uh, so and mu music was a lifeline. 
It absolutely was. It absolutely was. It was a, a suggestion by a, a scoutmaster. Yeah, that was in Boy Scouts at the time. Thank you, Mr. Scoutmaster. Because usually, especially in those days, they thought like, fuck this. Well, maybe it was my days. Yeah, there was a more of a generation gap. Uh, you look, you gave me more object, foreign object I want to play. Okay.
Radio Show. Start off that chunk of music with Foreign Object with Bigger Fish. Then ESP Summer. It's a reissue, something from the 90s. Uh, when leaves are gone, they elaborate their restless and searching mental life in images without communicating them to others, perhaps because not communicate, not communicating them with others. That's a fucking title, huh? Noisuka. You know, yesterday I played another trippy tune by them, uh, Brother Pete there. Titles can carry a lot of power. (laughs) Uh, Brand new from Holland, from uh, Juan Van de Dag, like the disillusioned person of the day or something in Dutch. Mir, I think that's C, maybe. Uh, do you want to ride a bike with us from Gas Kunst? Yeah. Maybe if you want me to play something on the Water Pedro show, you don't put a comment on the instant ham. <laughs> or maybe you do. Mark Stewart, Mike Watt, KK No, with all my senses. This is the Sanskrit mix. Scott Crow put this out. It's actually a Grand Hart song. Brother Grand Hart. Man, I miss him. Kato Hideki with Against the Sky, 99 Letters, Shibun. Gortsu Mizutama Shobodan, Goblin's Eye. That had to sing her tenko. She went on to be just using her voice. Uh, Hidden Forces Trio with Raul Catazano. This is uh, Sevilla, Spain. El Tufatora. And finally, Psychedelicatessen with Thick Lick. Okay, so how do you get your first guitar? I'm one that you want. So uh, this is the second time we lived in Germany. We moved back there. This time, my dad did not put the guitar in storage. He brought it with us. So it was in the house. And uh, after the scoutmaster said, you should pick up a guitar because he could tell I was into into rock. And and uh, like I said, I already had the aspiration after I saw Angus Young. So I I started uh, putting my ear to the speaker and trying to figure out how to play a Motorhead song, uh, "Don't Need Religion," and then um, and then I started working on TNT, and I talked to my parents and I said, "Look, I I, I feel like this is what I want to do. I'm I'm really serious about it. Will you get me an electric guitar?" And at that point, I wasn't even playing bar chords. I was playing single note uh, versions of these songs, as if you know I I still had bass in my blood for real. <laughs> um, and then. And they were quite. They said, "Yeah, we'll get you a guitar on one condition. You got to learn how to play uh, two songs." My dad chose uh, "House of the Rising Sun." My mom chose "Fucking Hairway to Stephen." I mean, sorry, "Stairway to Heaven." <laughs> that whole Surfer albums. I thought she wanted you to learn that whole album. That album wasn't out yet, actually. And fucking Jeff Pinkus, right? He's doing uh, banjo these days. Yeah. Yeah, really good. He was on the show last year. So, okay, man, that's not too bad a so, deal. We'll get you not just electric guitar, but probably a fucking amp to go with it. Not at first. No, they got me. Uh, it was a. It was called Keenor. Was the brand? It was. I think it was Dutch because they bought it in Amsterdam, and it was a SG copy. Um, didn't sound very good. Had really bad action. The neck was like a baseball bat. But it was all I needed. I loved it. And they got me a pair of they got me a, a pair of headphones that had an amplifier built into it, so that I wouldn't ruin their lives with a bunch of noise. Okay. And 
Yeah, amp didn't come till later, unfortunately. No, but at least she had the headphones because I know cats who've tried learning, you know, <laughs> just with electric guitar and no headphones, no amp. It's rough. That's rough. But it's also rough trying to get like kind of ACDC motorhead sounds out of acoustic guitar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and whatever, I, whatever you have, people, right? That's we that's Jeremy right. Cano. It's not just a slogan. It's a way of life. So you, by any means necessary, I think Mr. Malcolm X said. Yes. So you went and learned, and you're autodidact, you self-taught. Yeah, yeah, for a while. I did end up taking a, a guitar class in ninth grade, but it was a classical guitar class, and it really wasn't also, of course, wasn't what I wanted to be doing. It was like learning green sleeves and you know, songs like that, but, uh, but it was better than nothing. Um, and I learned to read a little bit in that class, um, but I, my reading started really when I joined the, the high school choir. I joined a uh, high school choir, I think in 1983, was a singing in the bass section. And then 1984, I auditioned for the London Honor Choir and they accepted me. So I went and sang bass in their badass choir in, in London, um, which was a, a, a big turning point for me as well. Because uh, I started meeting drama people, ended up getting into school plays, um, and that's where, uh, like in, in school plays, I got the bug for performing in front of people. And I was in musicals, so and they knew I played guitar. So most of the plays I was in, they would wrangle me into being a guitarist at some in some place. But the first play I did was. Uh, um, I played Snowball the Pig in a musical adaptation of George Orwell's Animal Farm. And Snowball uh, is the fucking Trotsky character that becomes the enemy of Napoleon. Precisely. Yeah. Now, so. uh yeah. Now, uh your first gig then is singing with a choir in England. Well, yeah, I mean, that, my first real gig, we did school choir stuff at home. Okay. But yeah, what, but my what, first what like, gig, I is... went and traveled and rehearsed for the gig with a with an ensemble and then performed for a real audience was yeah in London, nineteen eighty four. What I'm I'm trying to say is your first gig wasn't on the guitar; it was singing in part of a choir. Okay, so sure. when did you first play your guitar? Well, it was in those plays, huh? In front of people. In those plays, yeah, exactly. And well, the thing was in Animal Farm, um, Snowball dies pretty early in the, oh, in the yeah. play. So then at that point, when after I was off stage, then I, I played in the band on guitar. So ah. that was also a guitar uh, performance, like okay. probably my first one. So the, the band had a guitar. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, in the old days, you would have been in the rhythm section. Right, right. And I was in the next play. We did Grease, and I was in that, in that band, that rhythm section. And that has the distinction of being the first time that I improvised using a blues scale. The band leaders went, okay, go. And I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't even expecting it. I didn't, he didn't say we're going to have to improvise. <laughs> so uh, I was put like, on the spot. Like, old, and, like um, old rock and roll, like Chuck Berry stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a, a lot of forests. Yeah, beautiful. Remember that movie, You Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll? Yes. Or, uh, or whatever. It's Mr. Chuck Berry and uh, Keith Richard. <laughs> he cannot get Carol right. <laughs> 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 
no, 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 that was so much. That was that was too much. Yeah, it's happened. And it shows you the respect that keeps show Mr. Barry, though. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. What about after school, not graduating, but in the afternoon? Did you get into the garage band, bedroom band, basement band stuff? No, I didn't. You know, I lived in a small village in, in Germany at that point, And I pretty much just spent my time isolated trying to figure out stuff on records. Mostly like Black Sabbath records at that point. You know I'm what? Like, I'm thinking early 80s, mid 80s. That's still that country called West Germany. Yes, it was still West Germany at That's that point. That's when Minutemen first toured over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whole different kind of d- d- dynamic and stuff. And so you're just woodshedding, right? Yeah, just woodshedding. And, you know, the kids in school kind of, they knew I played guitar, but they... I felt ridiculed for it. <laughs> like they assumed I sucked. So that made me want to really work hard. But and, wasn't and there some cats it. who wanted to play aid and abet and join in with you? Not really. I I knew one person that drummed, but he was not serious and didn't even know any kit. So I think we had one opportunity to get into a room at school during school hours because the school had a kit. Yeah. And um, and then I had a couple of, of Japanese friends who were guitar players, and we kind of jammed with without a rhythm section and, and, and you know somebody's bedroom or whatever. But no bands until the the very first uh, attempt I had at putting a band together was my senior year in high school. Um, I was on the yearbook crew, and we had a, a an assembly that we, to sell yearbooks, and I asked if we could have a like do a metal parody band to you know write a song about selling you know buying yearbooks and they went for it so it was kind of like a the uh, black metal parody uh where we did a song called buy the yearbook well look man desperate times call for desperate men so <laughs> <laughs> let that freak flag fly brother bill we're at the end of the first hour march oh. 2 2023 edition wapito show special guest bill woodcock hold tight for hour two march 2 2023 it's the second hour of the watch from pedro show Sometimes times get so hard down here in downtown LA. Some of the people that you meet are pretty neat, but most of them are not okay. Well, it seems like a slice of paradise, but it comes at a price. It's my home, it's where I'll stay downtown LA. Every day is a roll of the dice. American Hotel, we drink and we use drugs. But they just raise the rent and pay an extra for the bed books. And the gentrification of downtown LA encroaches. On the whole neighborhood, but we still get rats and roaches. Oh, 
crackheads dumpster dive for cans and bottles. Same cliche photographers and models. Well, they impounded my truck to clear the street for a film crew. And the OPG laughed at me when I offered them an IOU. And sometimes times get so hard down here in downtown LA. You meet a kind of sweet, but most of them need to get the hell away. Well, you see, it's like a slice of paradise or a piece of Pinkie Pie. It's my home, it's where I'll stay, downtown LA, it's where I'm gonna live and die. Das 
die Luft ist rein und so, so soll es immer sein.
Shit's cash, bro.
rattles off my brain So I can't live again In the moment and making plans Help me scrub the fuzz off my brain Help me scrub the fuzz off my brain So I can sing again Worry sucks Quotes bad luck I found a copper penny That's only the beginning Bad memories Fly away Land upon Willow tree
The second hour, lightning woodcut with hard times in DTLA, downtown Los Angeles, people. All you sleuths. Alexander Hacka after that. Part two of his piece. It's big opera. I chunk every edition till we get it done. It's It's got a trippy plot. It's got a fictional cat. I want to get to Brother Bill's journey through music, but I'll explain it later about this. Interesting. Headboggle after that with Nickelodeon and Calliope, another East Bay band, Rubber O. Cement with Perihelion of Stupor, Scrapers Papers with Puffin on My Chillum, Stain Remover. This is from Shiverboard, live at the house of Yargun, Philly, September 24, 2022. Found a Copper Penny, the demo version. Dan Jones and the Squids, Kansas City. Lightning Woodcock with Voodoo Queen. And I got to get him back because the fuckers, AT&T, don't maintenance the phone line. So when we get rain like SoCal has, well, the whole state, really, uh, I keep losing it. So let me get Brother Bill. Got him back, people. Okay, so let's pick it up from there. You make the fucking kind of pitch spiel for the yearbook this is your first time putting it together a band and it's very focused it's for this one tune for this one event now wh- where is this is this in west germany still yeah it's, it was called the american international school of dusseldorf at that time Rur valley and what big band people is from dusseldorf Kraftwerk, another big band 1979 a little before this period you're talking about 
an album called Gary Rag, this band called Derplan. Yeah, fucking bitching band. And but so is Kraftwerk. Anyway, uh, yeah, I learned something about Dusseldorf being the kind of rival of Cologne, even though they share that Rhine River. But that just shows you about humans. Yeah. They'll beef they'll have a beef about anything. It don't matter. It <laughs> does not matter. <laughs> okay. Let's get back to your story. Uh you leave West Germany, right? Do you come back here? Yeah, I graduated, did perform at the graduation. They let me put a rock band together. Oh, okay, and is this the second band? Second band, yes. And, and what's the material? It was a U2 cover. So you they get had, one they tune. They to approve the material. Okay, you, you know? get one tune. Okay. Yeah, one tune. And, and who are the cats? Classmates? Classmates, precisely. Okay. Yeah. All friends. So they'll do the fucking gig, but they won't do jams and pracs with you, huh? Well, those two guys from Japan <laughs> yeah. did. Much respect. Big sonke to them. Okay. Uh, you come back. Where do you go? So I moved to Los Angeles. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I moved to Los Angeles in 1986. Um, I, uh, you just missed the Minutemen. I just missed the Minutemen. Uh, I missed a lot of things, actually. I arrived just in time for what seemed to be an endless um display of of really bad commercial hair metal a lot of butt rock I, I, on know, sunset boulevard butt right butt rock. a lot of butt rock i think egg's got a song called butt rock yeah that was rough for me i, I wasn't expecting that because by that point I, I had kind of transitioned away from metal i was more into Jimi hendrix and psychedelic rock stevie ray vaughn and that kind of thing you know okay um so so I wasn't, I, I definitely wasn't ready for uh, Poison and uh, Cinderella and that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I just read the... But the, you know what a farmer the, would tell the, you? The, you know what a farmer would tell you? If you want a good crop, <laughs> use a lot of manure. I say, bring <laughs> it, motherfuckers. <laughs> so t go on. So uh, I ended up... Um, Working at a at a, a video store in North Hollywood called the Odyssey Video, and that's where I met my uh, my musical partner for many years, uh, Dave Perry, who unfortunately we lost last year. Oh yeah. Dresses, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But we so the Valley. You lived in the Valley. We lived in the Valley, yeah, and we started this band called Psychedelic in there. Oh, okay. So that's where that comes from. Okay. Well, well what's this uh, foreign object? When does this come around? For an object, uh, uh, there was a little bit of overlap. I think, um, I think of my timeline. I think for an object was uh, started in nineteen ninety three or nineteen ninety four. I think nineteen ninety four was when for an object started, and uh, psychedelic Tessin broke up in nineteen ninety five. So those two bands were kind of running concurrently. But when did that? When psychedelic Tessin start? Psychedelic Contestants started, I want to say, in maybe late 87 or early 88. And then oh, we played so our first gig run. in 1989 at Bebop Records in Reseda. I remember Bebop Records. Renee. Yeah. yeah. Renee? I, I thought his name was Richard, but I, I, you know, my memory's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was Richard, but there was a cat there named Renee that booked the Minutemen. We would do acoustic gigs there, like bongos and acoustic guitar. I want to play some uh, psychedelic contestant in, in the memory of. 
for Pedro Show. That chunk of music started off with Psychedelic Contessa with Star Spangled Cracker. Then we had Eugene Chaborn with White Brain, Greensboro. Alien Disguise 1. I guess there's a 2 also. A Lean on the House, Bombas Prandon. Plankton, but P-L-A-N-C-T-O-N, okay? No K involved. Scream Quietly. (laughs) That's a title. That's a weird command. Uh, Samuel Locke Ward at Iowa City with Descender. And finally, again, Psychedelicatessen with Bleed. But in parentheses, Postman. Like your, is it a tribute to your pop? No, it's not actually. Okay. Because <laughs> I remember you saying him, uh, Letter Carrier. Uh, so how did, how did Psychedelicatessen come? You, you meet your musical partner, Guy Dave Perry and stuff. But... Mm-hmm. You guys did. How did you meet him? So he he started working there at the Odyssey. He had a he had ah, a pom- at the video store, right? Okay. At the Odyssey video store, yeah. He had a pompadour and a brand new Elvis tattoo. And right away, I started busting his balls, like, "Hey there, all you <laughs> greasers! It's time for Sha Na Na Bowser and he, Bowser." Yeah, yeah. Right. But he had a, he had a he had a great sense of humor. We hit it off, and I noticed that. We, you know, he would put on 10 years after and and we'd be staring at the TV together. I would put on Devo and we'd be staring home. at the TV <laughs> My babe, go home. That Woodstock thing, right? 10 minutes of like methamphetamine blues. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you guys shared a lot of uh, music times at the, well, there's probably a lot of downtime at the store, huh? There was, yeah. So we, but we figured out pretty quickly that we had similar tastes. And he was a drummer, and he had just left his band called Bad Kitchen, that was a, a touring around LA or t- playing around LA a lot at the time. Okay. And they they were kind of like a funk rock band, and I I really consider Psychedelic Testing to be my first band. The other two were you know kind of thrown together for school things. Right. So this is really my first thing post school, post high school. And because I didn't really have a high school band, I, I definitely give Psychedelic Tessin the, the distinction of being my first band. And these are the first songs you're writing. Yeah. Well, the first song I wrote was when I was still in high school. I wrote a song called Casper the Friendly Ghost on my Ouija board. And part of that ended up being part of that song Thick Lick that you played earlier. So but yeah, he, he, Dave and I collaborated on everything. Um, we really didn't write anything separate at that time. So it was really my first uh, experience collaborating with somebody. Well, tell me about that. that. Yeah, but a special collaboration because people usually won't write with drummers. So how to describe that process? Well, he was a, a singing drummer for one thing. And he also, you know, liked to plunk around on instruments. So he would he would write parts on guitar or bass. Ah, oh, he didn't compose on drums. Because I'm really interested in drummers getting more involved with composition. Why not? An instrument's that, an instrument, think, you know? I personally, I'm of the opinion that when you when you put your fills in and, and all of the little bells and whistles that a drummer does, it isn't just keeping a beat. That is part of the composition. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. But I'm talking about, like, from the get-go, you know, when you bring it. You right. don't, you aid it. And, you know, of course, aiding and abetting is a bitching thing, and I'm, I'm not dismissing it. But this idea of conceiving and conception, you know, that too. Well, in this case, I mean, with, with between Dave and, and, and me, we were 
we did a lot of improvising. That's where I really cut my teeth improvising with somebody. And and the drums were part of the composition. We yeah. were feeding off each other. Okay, we were, I love that. You know, inspire that. each other with ideas. I just made an album where the drummer went first. He gave all eight tunes of the album were only drums, and then he let me go. And then we brought it to the guitar man. Look, we're at the second end of the second hour, March 2, 2023 edition. What Pete special guest, Bill Woodcock, whole type hour three. March 2, 2023, it's the third hour. What from Pedro Show? Take three because I find you the one. When I say that? 
buck in the sun, take three, because I found you the one. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Don't do it. You have to do it again, Peter. I, I want to come in there and listen to that last one. Bark in the sun, take three. Bark in the sun, take three, because I found you the one. Corridors of pennies on the dark side of town. You come to me all together with a full free type of frown. I peek at you, you freak with me like a common swan on anyone's tugboat. The pumpkin locker is. Our 
hours of pause, hours of no invisible hearts, only watching some quiet street and a leaf can see. I'll sleep in the pictures, though. I'll remove from decision there. How another world could be known in sound or simple in silence.
For Pedro Show. Started off the third hour with the Sucker Boys. This is the first time Watt got to fucking play with Brother Bill. Sucker Boy Lotto. The song I wrote for Bob Lee's Lotteria. Tense thing to be part of. Soft white underbelly after that, people. This is the band that later became Blue Oyster Cult. There's a different singer, different bass player, but Buck Dharma, Albert Bouchard, and Al Lanier are there. Bark in the Sun. These were like uh, sessions and demos for Electra, but CBS had ended up signing BOC. Crane and Susan Loha with In Silence. Para Moesir from Boba Stereo Club and M. Takara. Waiting for black metal records to come in the mail. And this is the demo, people. God, I wish I could hear what the finished baby sounds like. Have a nice life. And then Skills, Lightning Woodcut. And that's with a Z, people. So, Foreign Objects comes at the tail end of Psychedelicatessen. Why did Psychedelicatessen just ran its course? So, well, Psychedelicatessen, we did a lot of good stuff, but we didn't really accomplish much. Um, I want to mention that we had seven different bass players in seven years. Whoa, that's tough. The first bass player, even though he wasn't with us very long, he was extremely influential on the rest of my musical output. His name was Eddie Ruscher. Uh, he's the son of the artist, Ed Ruscher. Wow. And um, Dave knew him, brought him in. Um, we, I mean, it felt really good to play with him. He felt perfect for us. And he, you know, we didn't even know like, what we're trying to do. What does this sound like? Is it, it doesn't really feel like punk rock or whatever. And Eddie, Eddie said... You know what? You guys remind me of the Minutemen. And it was the first time I'd even heard of the Minutemen at that point. I was like, I, I, how can that be? I don't even know who that is. Do you remember a club in Atlanta called 688? I do not. Okay, that's where we first played. There was, Ig had a set list painted on the bulkhead, but it uh, became the Metroplex later. Same owner. Uh, yeah, we were, you know. The only thing new is you finding out about it sometimes. It's just the way, especially in those days, right? There's not as much, uh, like, you had to have the right fanzines and stuff. Right. So I don't blame you, but that's really interesting that, uh, yeah. So, uh, Dave knew of you, though. Sorry. Okay. Foreign objects. Yeah. Well, before I move on, real quick, I just wanted to say why Eddie Ruscha was so influential is because he's the one who turned us on to Butthole Surfers, Captain Beefheart, Magma, Can, all those bands. So where I was in a point in my life where, okay, I don't like where music's at today, boom, all this stuff came in, into my into my sphere and really kind of changed everything. We went from, okay, we want to do something that's kind of inspired by the psychedelia of Hendrix and the doors to no, let's go down this scary road of like the really gnarly psychedelic shit. Right, right. Yeah, that's well, when I was younger and first eating Alice shit, I always wanted to trip balls. So it was like, who wants an easy Grateful Dead ride, man? Put oh. on that first fucking Pink Floyd album <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or that radioactivity craft work record with the headphones and the. I'm the antenna set information. Oh, man. When you go, and it's that stereo through your brain. We're talking about some brain floss, people. 
Yeah, so, Revolution Number Nine, that kind of stuff. What what happened? Yeah, in, uh, in Revolution Number Two, Part Two, right? Gary Shandlin, Gary Shandlin. <laughs> uh, the we, uh, Minuteman played with Butthole Surfers and Big Boys, the first uh, Hollywood gig. Those guys come from Texas to play here. Incredible. Yeah, good guys. Gibby had this big, like, looked like a gallon jug of Vaseline. He says, we're going to have a party tonight. <laughs> it was a Grandia room. It turned into a new wave place called Martini Lounge later, but it was a Mexican chow pad in those days. Let me ask you, what a, so you get into Foreign Object. Now, the music there is a little quicker. Yeah, it's all punk, deliberately punk. And that was that you was an idea punk? by uh, another punk? dearly departed friend of mine, Stefan X DeLeon, who uh, told me that he wanted to start a punk rock wrestling band. And I was like, OK, man, that sounds fun. But uh, I didn't really consider myself to be uh, in the running to be in it. But then he approached me and said, will you do this with me and laid out the idea? And I'm like, yeah, I would love to. It sounds fun. You know, amazing. punk. To me, because I come from 70s punk, and it wasn't really fat. Some of it was very slow. Look at Throbbing Gristle, Hamburger Lady. I mean, yeah, scary right? song. Love yeah, that. really scary. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was anything you could get up on the stage. But by the, night, the early 80s and hardcore and stuff, yeah, it became fast guitar music. But it wasn't that in the set. It was like fucking anything. You didn't know what was going to be out of gig. Well, uh, I remember thinking that punk rock sounded like Blondie from reading Cream magazine. Why not? Dan- Blondie Ripper, hanging Ripper. out with the Ramones and the Sex Pistols or whatever, you know. And what about that tune, Ripper to Shreds? Oh, yeah, yeah, for you sure. I mean, def- definitely Blondie is a punk band. I mean, they kind of evolved into a disco I got punk to band do the whole first. I got to do the whole first Ramones album with Clem Burke. That guy can play some drums. Mickey, <laughs> Joey's brother, had us do the 40th anniversary. I want to play this Outlaw Mariachi. Great.
Off for Pedro Show, last music for this edition. We started to chunk off with the outlaw mariachi and fight for your right to party. Adam Yalk is very much missed. Man, I love yes, that. Yes. Great bass man. Uh, great rapper, too. Library's on fire after that with Magic Bum Rush Hearts. Sir Richard Bishop's Freak of Araby Ensemble with something live here. Cal El Lazi Kad Ham. Lum and the Texas Homewreckers out of Fukuoka, Pan, with goddamn you Osaka girls. I think the guy's a gaiji. Um, he's from Portland, Oregon, but he moved there, married into a family. Started his own family there. Finally, Ms. Derringer, Black Tears. So hip us to the Outlaw Mariachi, Brother Bill. The Outlaw Mariachi is a, is a band I'm currently uh, have been playing with um, since uh, about two years ago. And uh, they, are a, uh, they are a band that does... Latin style arrangements of mostly classic rock songs. Like they do a, a mariachi version of a, a Rammstein song. So it's not all classic rock. Um, and they, they do more traditional mariachi as well. And I got wrangled into that, not knowing anything about how to play mariachi. And it's been like a, one of the most educational experiences of my life. But when, wouldn't you say, wouldn't you say that's proof in the pudding that fucking music is music and fuck these goddamn genre labels absolutely. and brand? Yeah, I hate it. Fucking gulag, Berlin Wall shit. It's been my the the bane of my existence ever since Psychedelica Testing because we were a genre defining band and that's what everybody always like. What kind of music do you play? It's like, well, we're trying to do everything. <laughs> I, I think that's bitching and noble, and I love it. Thank you. Yeah, this other but, shit, it's for stuff that ain't musical. It's that's what uh, like armies do to wear the right uniform so they know who the. That's why they got angry at the Viet Cong, I guess, because they wore black pajamas. But look, fuck genre, people. It's the enemy of fucking the soul of music. And what are your plans now? Where can people find you on the internet? Let's let them know that. Do you okay, have a um, website? No, I don't have a dedicated website anymore. I kept lightningwoodcock.com for as long as made sense. I let it go years ago. Right now, the the best place to get music of mine, uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing, is Bandcamp. Lightning Woodcock. There's no G at the end of lightning. It's not lightning. It's lightningwoodcock.bandcamp.com. Yeah, it's corporate, but they treat bands a lot better than any of those other fucking music places but one day you might want to get that website back because it's like having your own fanzine and nobody's going to filter your shit well i hit a wall with lightning woodcock where I, I got tired of 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 trying to be a brand and and move product and stuff and that was like a large reason why i transitioned away from that um and you know it's maybe not something i want to cling cling on to as a position well, i didn't for, say for that. that i said more like a fanzine yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I see what you said. Also, saying. me and you got a plan, right, with Bob Lee. Exactly, and that's what I'm I'm excited to be working on right now as well is this record that I'm working on with Bob Lee. That yeah, yeah. And I, I feel actually, like he handed me such be, an amazing gift with it's these gonna be more. That, it's going to be more than just a record. We, we want to do gigs with these fucking tunes also. Fuck yes, we do. Yes. People, me and Bob Lee brought 12 tunes to Brother Bill here, and he's finding his way with them and stuff and when they're ready we're gonna fucking play them for we're gonna record them you know make an album but then we're gonna put them in your face live too if you want to witness them okay yeah i can't wait but but there's no pressure on you not like mr wells learned us right no wine before it's time as soon as you get some other stuff going like recordings of your uh, mariachi or whatever you got going please come back on the show the invite's open to you brother bill 
Thank you. Yeah, we are working on a record right now. Um, hopefully it'll be out later this year. And they're constantly playing county fairs and casinos like almost every weekend. I'm not always with them because I got other gigs too, but they're always worth checking out if you're, if you're into music. Okay. Can't wait to hear what you're doing too. People, it's been the March 2, 2023 edition of Wapito. So keep your powder dry.